Good evening, everyone. We are back with another marriage podcast. It's been a couple of months. It's been since uh, April, right, Adrian? Yes. I'm here with Adrian, obviously, my partner in crime. Uh, we are going to do another podcast. It's been a while. We apologize. Uh, a lot of things have been going on. As you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic, which has uh, led to us doing other things. Other, uh, I'm in charge of the men's ministry, Adrian. You are in charge of the children's ministry now. We have a children's <laughs> ministry at church. So, uh, and then, you know, we're recording and all the other things. No excuses. We apologize for the length of uh, gap, uh, length of time between uh, podcasts. Uh, and today we are going to have a podcast. But before, you know, I was on a detour a little bit, Adrian. People are saying that the pandemic has been a bad thing, right? Obviously, a lot of people have died. Don't, don't take this the wrong way. But uh, for me, I've had quite a bit of blessings. And um, I'll tell you why. Uh, it's allowed for me to keep in touch with my family in Peru. Yes. And uh, as you know, because you were here with me whenever I chat with them. And I chat with them maybe every couple of weeks, weekly even in some cases, right? Yes. I've never done that before. Yeah. In the 18 years we've been married. Yeah. We will go through sprouts, especially when your parents are around. But I think it's it slowed us down in some regards to take the time to check in on our family um, and spend that, that quality time with them. At other areas, it's caused us to get a little more busier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think overall it's been a blessing. You know, I, I, I've enjoyed uh, reconnecting with my family in Peru and talking to them more regularly. And it just brings perspective because we hear how things are over there and it's bad compared to here. Yes. So over there, for example, people over 70 cannot leave the house. Right. Imagine having that rule here. So uh, with that said, uh, I'm going to open it up in prayer. Uh, dear Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We, we pray that this uh, podcast reaches... All the couples, Lord, that, that, that are meant to reach and that they learn from us and they learn from this and they learn from your word, Father. We pray that you protect everyone and you keep all the couples strong and united as they strive to do better for their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so last time we had a podcast was in April. And it was about teamwork. And today we're going to change subjects uh, quite a bit and we're going to talk about the challenges of marriage because when marriages have challenges, then the teamwork is challenged, right? Right. It goes hand in hand. And so one of the things we hear a lot is that half, half of the marriages end in divorce. And that's not necessarily true. I normally don't like to go into secular articles, but this time we are. And what I'll do is uh, we'll put some uh, biblical, we'll wrap it around in biblical principles. Okay, so um, for example... The older we get, the more likely we are to remarry. Uh, for example, at age 50, men are 15% more likely to remarry. Women are 19% more likely to remarry. At age 60, it jumps for to 26% for men, 32% for women. What do you think that is, Adrian? There's a lot of theories. There's, there's no explanation. They, just, they give you the stats, but they don't really explain. The author of the article, which is from flowingdata.com, Gives is some some suggestions, but he doesn't answer the question for sure because he even, he even doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think that is? That women are more likely to remarry than men. Um, I think companionship. I think women are more um, not that they need it, but that they yearn for that companionship maybe more than where a man can I can do without. <laughs> I'm rugged. Um, I, I think it's funny that from age fifty. It's less. It's, it was, what, 15%? 
you should. And yeah. then and then it jumps higher as, as someone gets older, that likelihood for them to get married. Yeah. It makes me wonder if there's something, you know, in there of that turn of careers, you know, the midlife crisis, you know, the, the reason as to why the divorce happened. And then they okay. kind of get strong in who they are and then they decide, oh, I do need to or I want to remarry. It could be too that men don't live as long as women, and so they marry somebody. They usually men tend to marry younger. So yeah. I don't know a lot of things, right? So uh, we'll see. But another study. This one's from fatherly.com, right? It looks it breaks marriages up into risk for divorce. So they don't tell you the chances of divorce; they tell you the risk. So, for example, in years one to two, it's high risk. And I think that you don't have to do a whole study to figure that out. I think most of us that are married know that we, year one and two are pretty pretty rough. Right, Adrian? Yes. So then from years three to four is average risk. And I don't know what average means versus high risk, but average risk. Okay. So, you know, you have to, usually by three or four, you have kids. There might be some stress. Uh, might lead to some, some stress that might lead to divorce. And then years five through eight, you go back to high risk. So we're back at high risk. You would think it would, the risk would go down, but it actually goes up. So, uh, and the theory for that is the seven-year itch, which I could personally attest is probably true. <laughs> it's happened to me. They, <laughs> they talk about that. They talk about that here. And then after that, uh, it goes back to uh, nine years, nine through 15, it goes to low risk. And uh, that's because the kids have grown up, or they're older at least, Uh you know, they, you know, couples are, are, are used to working with each other. Mm-hmm. And so now you lead to lower divorce rates uh, the longer you're married. Yeah. So I, I remember um, we had a counselor that said that the, the reason for around that 10, 14 years when there's a crisis happens again, it's, okay, do I love this person? I'm not going to change them, but is it, you know, can exactly. I live with it? You know, mm-hmm. any, any other that what we may see as flaws or annoyances or whatever, and and that's where the risk then starts to take. It just sounds so harsh, doesn't it? Oh, I learned to live with her. I learned to live with him. I know. It just sounds terrible. I don't know. I don't think I want to do it. We've been it's married a, eighteen years, and I'm definitely, definitely a worldly there. viewpoint. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a secular worldview for sure. And then finally, years fifteen through twenty, we will go back to average risk. And so, you know, part of the reason what happens according to the article, um, you know, if you marry in your thirties, because now people are getting married older. Uh, 20 years later, you're in your 50s, and uh, midlife crisis, like we say, right? It says here in the article, midlife crisis, infidelity. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier, men go with younger women. And it's not, I mean, it's a secular worldview for sure, but uh, it happens. Did I accomplish everything I set out to do? Exactly. You know, you either succeeded and got, you know, big-headed, or you failed and got depressed. There's so many things that go on here. There's so many different reasons, but... These are the, the reasons the article comes up with. And now, lastly, we're going to go through the top seven reasons for divorce. All right, Adrian. Some of these, uh, unfortunately, I think in our 18 years of marriage, we've seen other mm-hmm. couple friends that we've had that ended up in divorce. And yeah. tell me which ones of these uh, resonates. Reason number one is believing that marriage is a cure-all. So you think, oh, you know, we're having problems. Let's get married and it'll solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's no due diligence done. Mm-hmm. And so, number one reason. Number two, not speaking up. Mm-hmm. So not speaking up, you know, I, I, I know in this article it means it one way, but 
for me, not speaking up means, how could I explain it? Um, not being truthful, right? Not necessarily being like, I got to speak up for, no, it's just not being truthful, not being holding things in when you should really let them out. I think, uh, like even communication, like a communication, right? You, you know, I'm one of those people that my expressions kind of, I wear my expressions <laughs> on my sleeve. So Adrian, you know what's wrong with me right away. And so you kind of get it out of me. And by this point, I think I've gotten used to answering the questions sooner rather than later. Uh, number three, trouble with the in-laws. Thankfully, we've been blessed in that area. I think um, my in-laws are great, and I hope, Adrian, you feel the same way about yeah. you and my parents, but we have a wonderful relationship with our in-laws. Yes. However, I've seen other couples where they don't have a relationship with their in-laws, and it gets really ugly, and it's sad. It's sad. So, um, reason number four, there's a big one, religious differences. So, religion... You know, different and equally yoked is the biblical term for this, right? Right. Um, you know, it happens at any time, right? Maybe, maybe you're both secular in the beginning, and throughout life, one becomes a Christian and one doesn't, or maybe a different faith it doesn't have to be Christianity. But once you're in different faiths, it becomes a reason for divorce. Number five, not staying connected. Mm. So this is uh, obviously communication, but connected in the sense of you don't know, like I don't know what you're doing throughout the day, you don't know what I'm doing throughout the day. I do things without warning, you know, you do things, you know, you buy something without warning, you know, we're not connected, right? So that's, that's really what this is talking about. Especially uh, if they have different work schedules. Exactly, exactly. Number six, and this I would imagine, hap- well, it could happen at any time in, during marriage, but undiscussed debt. So, I mean, debt, you don't even know it. <laughs> so, uh, it happens. I, I, I think we've known people that unfortunately this has happened to where, you know, they get married, they're both debt-free, and 10 years, 20 years down the marriage, uh, done 10 years later in marriage, someone has accumulated debt and the other person doesn't even know about it. Yes. It's, it's kind of sad when that happens, too. That means you're not communicating. I think you're going to see the, <laughs> you look at the seven, you know, reasons, right? Let's, let's recap. Before I say number seven, let's recap, let's recap the first six. Right? Believing marriage is a cure-all. So you don't need to do, do you don't do any due diligence. That means you don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Key there? Communication. Number two, not speaking up. Right. Obviously, communication. Number three, trouble with the in-laws. You cannot resolve your resolution with your in-laws. Communication, right? Mm-hmm. When there's trouble with the in-laws and you don't know how to resolve it, that means you're not communicating, right? Mm-hmm. Number four, religious differences. Maybe not. Maybe that's not communication. Number five, not staying connected. Communication, right? <laughs> number six, undiscussed debt. Undiscussed communication, right? And here, number seven. Tell me if it's communication or not, Adrian. Differing plans. <laughs> Definitely. So not communication. basically, they could they they could split. You know, it's like subdivisions of communication, right? Different plans. So you know, I have a plan. You have another plan, and we don't see eye to eye on our plans, right? You want five kids, I only want one. Or you want a big house, I want an apartment. Or you want a you know minivan, and I want a sports car. Whatever. <laughs> so uh, those are the seven reasons for the di- uh, divorce. However, those are not, you know, divorce rates, reasons for divorce, you know, it's not what we should be looking at. You know, uh, for example, in the, one of the articles that years one to three was challenging. Um, if you make it through year three, though, that means you got through some challenges, right? You, you feel a sense of accomplishment, like you made it through year three. And you should build on that. That's my, my, my core, right? The person by year three, the person you were in year one, you're not the same person anymore. And if you're not if you're not willing to adapt and change with the times and with your circumstances because you want to be quote unquote true to yourself, you're really doing yourself a disservice and your spouse a disservice. Right. Would you agree? Yes. 
And I think the key is, you know, it always goes back to what Pastor says is that when you say I do, it doesn't, it's not the two become one with I do. It's it's a growing process that you are growing to become that. And as you go through your trials, and if you have the communication and you are doing things properly, uh, and hopefully with God's covering, you know, you're continuing to grow and that's what makes Right. There's one and two. It's okay, I can get through this, then we can get through the next right. thing. You know, holding up that, that Goliath's head. And then another reason, too, I think, why the first few years, and I'm not going to break it down in one through two. It could be, you know, everybody's marriage is different, but the first few years of marriage, you know, you're you're learning a role in the marriage, right? And I don't mean, you know, we, need, we have roles, right? A husband has a role and a wife has a role. And every team, there's roles. Mm-hmm. So we need to adapt to our roles and know what our roles are. And be accepting of each other's roles, right? It's not my way or the highway by any means. That's something I think you uh, were uh, you had mentioned to me earlier, Adrian. Yeah. Right? So, uh, let's see what the Bible says about marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the thing. I'm going to read Genesis 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 18, right? The early years of marriage, right? Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So before we get started on the commentary and all that, Adrian, I think it's it's so crazy. I think we're going to talk about this later on in the, in the lesson here, but this is chapter 2 of Genesis. Mm-hmm. It's not chapter 15 or chapter 50 no. or Exodus or anything. It's in the beginning. It's in the beginning, <laughs> man. Creation, marriage. You know? It's a biblical standard. Right. What do you think about the word helper there? I will make him a helper. So God's going to give a man a helper. Uh, it ties into, there's so many things with helper. Helper isn't just, you know, I'm going to help him clean his clothes and, and cook his food. It's, that's, I don't think, what is what is being implied just here. But it's a, a helper in life, you know, someone to walk down that road of trials and tribulations and what you go through. And that you're not alone. You know, we're creatures that need to be with people. And around, you know, others. And um, this is where God says, I'm going to set aside a specific helper, specific person that you're going to walk with, that you're going to you're going to be with. Right. That's all very good. But what if I was to tell you that the term helper, when you hear the word helper, Adrian, is it like a demeaning term or do you think it's less than or secondary no. role? Right. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think men need to be appreciative, appreciative of God's mercy in this. He provided us what we needed. Now, let me refer to the word helper here. I'm going to read a couple of verses, Adrian. I'm going to tell you that the word helper in these following verses, they're all in Psalms, are in the same context and the same word that the word helper was used in Genesis. So, for example, in Psalm 33:20, it says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. The word help there is the same word as I will make him a helper. So God created a woman to be our helper. God is our helper. Mm-hmm. Seeing the connection there? Psalm 75. But I am afflicted and needy. <laughs> Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer, O Lord. Do not delay. Again, God is God. You are my help. My deliverer. Starting to see the connection there between help and helper. Finally, Psalm 115, verse 9. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. 
So that's the context of help. A divine help. Now, that's the role, you know, that, that's who God provided for us. And so when I say, God, you know, man, be appreciative of God's mercy in this. When you're looking at the context of the word help, man, be appreciative in this. <laughs> he provided us exactly what we needed. It was divine help. Right. right? Which gets into what I said. It does. It really does. I wanted to enhance that, with okay. what you said. So uh, compliment what you're saying because, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. This is, you know, the word helper is not meant to be like a woman is not a an assistant or, you know, secretary or, you know, get me this, get me that or, you know, nothing like that. On the contrary, the, the woman is divine help. So uh, we talked, mentioned earlier, Adrian, that marriage happens very quickly in, in Genesis, right? Creation, obviously not that, you know, when you're talking about the Bible, it, it happens very quickly. So, for example, in Genesis uh, 2, 24, it states... For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Mm-hmm. So here, one flesh is not literally us morphing into one being. <laughs> it's we're basically united into one, meaning our total life together. Right? So total. what is total life? Adrian, what do you think is total life? The physical, the spiritual, the intellectual, and the emotional union. That's right. Right? It's, it's not just, you know, so total life is, you know, your physical aspect, your spiritual aspect, your spiritual, your emotional. We come together in body and spirit. We share everything in common and we enjoy uh, God's world together and start to obey Him as one. And that's the key, right? We enjoy God's world because it is God's creation. We enjoy it together, me and you and I as partners, right? Mm-hmm. And we jo- enjoy Him as one. So that's why, you know, and one of those reasons for being divorced, when it talks about an equally yoked, you know, where does that term come from? You know what's funny is that when I used to hear this as a kid, unevenly yoked, I always thought of, like, eggs, <laughs> that kind of yolk. <laughs> but it's not. It's, you know, back, you know, this is why context is so important, is that they're referring to, you know, the strong ox to the weak ox. And a yoke, you know, different mm-hmm. type of yoke, was that, you know, wouldn't told they would put over their 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 necks that would help pull the haul of whatever it was that the farmer you know was you know hauling out you know dirt whatever and you know if you have one strong that is biblically strong and is working with the lord and the other one is weak it's harder it's harder for them to you know they're taking more of that pull and so the strong yoke meaning and here let's be you know just be clear about it. The strong yoke is the one the one that's in the faith, right? right? The one that's Christian. And the one that's not in the faith is the weak yoke. Yeah. So basically the one with the strong the stronger yoke has to carry the burden of everything, right? Right. They have to carry more of it and it becomes hard. And, it, and, and so what advice would you give? During our early years in marriage, we were temporarily unequally yoked. <laughs> when we got married, uh, you were not Christian. That is correct. Uh, so what, know, what advice would you give to those couples that are not unequally yoked? Pray... Pray, pray, and pray, and then pray some more. Um, it's not a, you know, God knows who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. So it's not one of those like, well, I picked him, so God needs to now fix him. No, that's not what it is. If, if God puts you together, then he, he has you on this path. And, you know, it was hard being a Christian knowing that, that you were not, but as I would talk to you and I knew where your faith was, it, you know, 
and I continued to pray and I was like, are you sure, God? Are you sure this is what you want? And the answer kept coming back, yes. And and then once uh, you did become Christian, it was like game on. I needed to, you know, roll up my sleeves, my 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 arm sleeves, my pants, you know, cuffs and everything because you were like, we got to spread the gossip, we got to do this, we got to, and it was, you know, I, I really believe it was a time where he was having to even get myself ready for the ministry in which he was going to have you do. You know, I always think of the story of uh, the uh, Lee Strobel, right? He was married. He was an atheist. He was married. His wife was not, I mean, she wasn't practicing faith. They were both uh, not in the faith at one point. Right. And and his wife actually was the one that went to a Bible study and became a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so now they became unequally yoked after they got married, right. not before marriage. So unequally yoked doesn't necessarily mean you marry somebody that's a different faith than you. It could happen during the marriage. It could happen years later down the marriage. Right. You know, it, it, uh, it could happen in year one, a year. So these statistics don't mean anything if one of the persons becomes saved. You know, because at that point, the whole you know the marriage has completely changed, and that's what happened in this particular marriage with Lee Strobel. Is his wife became a Christian. He was a Pulitzer-winning writer, and. Um, they were unequally yoked, and she prayed for him. She prayed for him, and then obviously, as we, you know, for those of you that know him uh, or or of him, you know, he eventually became a Christian, and now they're even, you know, they're they're together in, in one union again, and their marriage is actually better for it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, these unequally yoked things happens that it could happen at any time. You know, it could it could happen. What if it happens forty years on the line? Mm-hmm. You know, what if it happens fifty years? It, it happens. You know, it happens, and, and so we have to be prepared to be, you know, one with our spouse and seek, seek God in everything that we do. So, and, and, you know, you can look at it from the standpoint, and especially if they were not Christian prior to, they both were the weak oxen and not even knowing it. Right. And because with God, everything is just, um, you know, he's that helper. Right. You know, like, like you just read, he's, he's that provider. He gives that grace, and, you know, we're nothing. In the grand scheme of things. And you know, you bring up a really good point, Adrian. You bring, you just said right now, and I don't know if you caught yourself, you said, you know, they're both the weak yoke. Mm-hmm. So what happens when they're both weak? They're both yokes are weak. These statistics that we just talked about yeah. earlier, you're That's, more susceptible to it. You're more yeah. open to it. You know, so definitely, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to jump and say Christianity is in their attack or anything. It doesn't matter. If you're a believer and you're listening to this, read your Bible, pray for your partner, and pray for other couples as well. You know, pray that other couples find find God, because if they find God, their marriages will be stronger for it. You know, and if they come, if they come to the faith, their marriages will be stronger for it. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I don't know, we're doing this pretty quick, Adrian. We're almost done with the lesson. <laughs> so, well, that's good. We didn't we didn't want it to be that long, anyways. So we have exercise for couples. I'm gonna have some sound effects. There you go. Exercise for couples. So what is exercise for couples? It means do something together, right? Right. So in this case, we're going to get our exercise from 1 Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's supposed to be 5.17. But, you know, I don't like reading just one verse. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I like to like, give you the before and after, right? So let's focus on 17, but 16 and 18. Get that from Pastor. Yeah. So, you know, 16, right? Uh, rejoice always. That's 16. 17 is pray without ceasing. And then 18. And everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think it just sounds better to when you read the whole thing, right? Yes. 
Instead of just saying, pray without ceasing. And that's it. And let that, <laughs> and let that three words be the basis for your soul exercise. No, let's give it a little more, little more meat. Right? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, before we get to the exercise, what does pray mean? Or what, what is the context of pray here? Um, praying isn't, is not always in uh, the moving of the lips, but the elevation of the heart of God and the essence of prayer and making it consistent. You know, that prayer that you do throughout the day, the worship that you, right. you're seeking Him. Um, it's not just the prayer I say over my food before I eat it and the prayer I say before I go to bed. Right. It is not some repetitive thing like, oh, dear God, please pray my wife. And then you're done with the exercise. Yeah. I don't know. It reminds me, this reminds me of the movie, um, for those of you that have seen it, the movie uh, Fireproof. Yes. Right? When he starts doing that, the, when he starts doing that, that book. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and at first he's doing it just to go through the motions. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he's talking about here. Don't, don't just pray, you know, don't go through the motions, right? Elevate your heart to God. Right, because that's the essence of prayer. So when you pray without ceasing, don't just say, "Oh well, God, I pray today." All right, I haven't stopped praying. I'm still praying. Like, no, 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 no. Stop. Pray. Give your heart to God during prayer. Mm-hmm. Give Him everything. Not just your heart, your soul, everything. You know, really meditate in prayer. Uh, Adrian, one of the things I've learned, uh, I know, especially as I started my business and even before then, is start your day with prayer. Mm-hmm. But not just like, "Okay, God, I pray this morning, dear God, hope I have a good day, Amen." Nothing like that. It's on the country. Spend a good 15 minutes and really meditate on the Lord. You know, I read a devotional and I, I really, before I start my day, I, I do that. Sometimes I work out and as I'm working out, I'm praying as well. So uh, the exercise is to not just pray, but continue to pray. As if, think of it as like the way blood flows through you, that's the way you pray. Right? Blood flows through our body. Right? Not, and it keeps us alive. That's how we should pray. You know, Jesus never mentioned unanswered prayer. I don't know if you, I didn't, I didn't know that, but you know, Jesus talks about a lot of things. And if you're in the men's ministry, you know one of some of the things he talked about. But uh, he does. He never mentions unanswered prayer. In other words, he says, "Oh, you know, I, somebody prayed, I didn't care." <laughs> Nothing. On the contrary, he he talks about a whole lot of things. And un, unanswered prayer is not one of them. And he does answer prayer. And uh, you know, I think one of the dangers we have is that we want to water things down mm-hmm. especially what Jesus says and we shouldn't so in our prayers like no water things down on the contrary let's get meaty right so the challenge the devotion is pray with your spouse make it a habit to pray every morning or evening or twice you know and pray and, and not only just pray like you know but really really get down to it and really pray and uh, I think what well, we do that with Sophia too mm-hmm. you know we pray with Sophia especially when she's feeling a little anxious about certain things so we pray with her all the time yeah you know it's funny you're talking about this and just uh, two days ago I was teaching her about prayer you know we were talking about prayer on a Sunday and um, you know I was telling her how you should always be praying you should always be worshiping God you're always thanking God even if it's just thanking Jesus you know that always being with him and having that relationship with him. And then without even knowingly, later on in the day, uh, she had caught me off guard. I was praying, and she wanted me to help her with something. And as I was helping with her, I I said, thank you, Jesus. And she goes, what? And I'm like, I'm just praying with God. I, you know. And, and she looked at me like, oh. 
And then I was like, remember how we talked about this? You know, it was like a learning moment that, you know, I don't just say these things, you know, I'm, it's something we do, you know. Right, right. A couple of things to pray for. <laughs> so uh, something that, I, you know, I think you and I have thought about, but obviously pray that you love your spouse even more every day, right? Uh, pray that uh, God has set a, a good path for your spouse. And, you know, it's a little off the cuff here, but, you know, pray that you have time to have a date. You know, have a date night. I, I can't, you know, I, I, I don't know if I've talked about it in the previous two lessons. I think I did, but date nights. Yeah. Pray that you make, pray that you have time for date nights and make time for date nights and pray for them because date nights are the best for a married couple. And that's how you, <laughs> that's how you get to know each other and, you know, talk things out. And that's how communication, Yeah. you know, that's how you communicate. And so through date night, if you have kids, Find a sitter, pay for the sitter. If it has, if it, like for me, like if it's my video game money that has to go for that, then let it be because I'd rather be with my spouse and, and get these things ironed out because it'll it'll pay off even better in the end. Yeah, and, and when we talk about date, dating isn't just like we're going to go out and have alone time and we're going to talk about our troubles or our bad days. Whatever. No, you're dating just like as you were when you first met them. Right. And you're having fun and you're being silly yes. and you're 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 enjoying their company. Right. We just had a date night. We just had a date night. It, it six months in the making, you know. Of COVID. Because of COVID. But uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot. I, man, I actually had a blast. And uh, yeah, so date nights are really good. So pray for these things. Pray for date nights. Pray for all these things. Pray for your spouse. You know, pray for your marriage. Mm-hmm. Pray for, you know, for the things between, you know, the, between the two of you that only the two of you know, you know, the challenges that are unique to your, to your, to your marriage, right? Every marriage has their own unique challenges, right? Mm-hmm. We've had our own unique challenges as a married couple that are not, like, I don't want to get too personal, but some couple, some challenges for us are very unique to just us. Not even mm-hmm. my brother, like, nobody, like, mm-hmm. just us, we're the only ones that have this particular struggle. Nobody else. So uh, pray for those type of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another thing that to, to be said is that as you're continually praying for your partner, um, and, and like Diego said, you know, that you're praying, you know, for that love also that it continues to grow and you're becoming one. There's the, the, um, you're praying that you, um, sorry, lost my train of thought. Um, Uh, oh, it's sexy. I mean, the more you fall in love, and, and especially that godly love that you have for your your spouse, you know, when I know that that he's been praying for me, I think, wow, it makes him more attractive. You know, that he he loves me so much that he's praying for me. This is you true. know, he, I, he loves me so much that he's interceding on my behalf. And this is true. That's a good point. I'm, I'm getting teared up just talking about it because. You know, as much as we love God and we have that relationship with God, is knowing that my spouse, that my husband has that same relationship and that godly love, you know, also for me that to, to pray for me. And it, it really kind of bonds us together. Very well said, Adrian. I think actually that encapsulates why having a strong marriage, really, you read all these articles about divorce, and it means nothing when you have a strong marriage with God as your foundation it becomes indestructible 
You will go through some challenges. They will not all be smiles. You will nope. go through some ups and downs, but you will overcome. Mm-hmm. And your children will see that if you have children, and it will help them in the long run. And I think that's what's missing a lot today is that kids do not see their parents overcome. On the contrary, when couples divorce and the kids are in the middle, they see their parents quit. They don't see them overcome. They see them quit. And guess what happens to them? Then they quit. Right? They may not quit in sports. They may become a professional athlete, but they'll quit in other areas that are more... They'll quit on their own marriages. And we cannot allow that. We must not allow that. The children deserve better than that from us. Right? Right? So uh, not only the children, but even nephews, nieces, anybody that sees a unit be unbreakable, it's an encouragement. And it, it talks about the power of God. You know, once we come to God, He will not let us go. Once we are saved, God does not let us go. Right. We are in His kingdom forever, and He will not quit on us because He's already received us. It's the same with marriage and the same when people see marriage. You know, and I think that's what breaks my heart. That's why I wanted to touch about this subject is because we see what's going on today in society, and it really is, at the end of the day, it is the... Failure in marriages that's causing all these problems. Mm-hmm. That's It is not politics. It is not proposition XYZ. It is the failure of marriages that are causing all these problems. The family division. The family unit is being torn apart and trying to be redefined. And we cannot allow that. Mm-hmm. Our children need to see a strong foundation, an unbreakable foundation. It gives them strength. And it also shows them that when they pray to God, they will have their prayers answered as well. Life may not go their way, but their prayers will be answered and God will protect them. And, uh, you know, and even when tragedy strikes, because unfortunately, some, some parents do lose their kids at a young age, mm-hmm. you know, a strong foundation prevents those couples from separating as well. So I'm not talking about just to have, a, you know, I'm not talking about the power of prayer or, you, you know, the strong unity in marriage. So you can have a wonderful life. On the contrary, it's so that you could also endure the horrible challenges that this world brings to us. It brings death, illness, sickness, you know, Saying Jews has children with cancer for a reason is because sin is in this world. So, you know, a strong union, a strong marriage is not going to just, you know, allow you to go to Hawaii every summer. On the contrary, it's going to allow you to overcome the challenges that come within this horrible, fallen world. Yeah. And, you know, so not just the good things, but also the bad things. So let that be the encouragement that it is there, you know, having God as your foundation in a marriage will help you overcome anything. And just like it says, uh, you know, in, in, in Genesis, you know, enjoy God's creation as well. So you can have both. You could be ready for both. And we, you know, you'll need to, God will show you which one you're destined for. It could be a life of challenge and tribulation, and that's okay because God's putting you there for a reason. Or you could be one of those people that get to travel all over the world. That's fine too, <laughs> you know. And uh, I think we have had a little bit of both. Right? I think most marriages you do have a little bit of both. Yeah. We've had some really good, you know, good trips, good family outings and all that. But we've also had some really tough challenges in our marriage mm-hmm. that if you guys care to know, I will, and we don't want to share it on the podcast, but if you guys want to know, shoot us an email, you know, set a meeting with us, especially if you're in our church, you know, take us out to dinner. <laughs> Just kidding. No, we, 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 we could take you out to dinner. We, we could figure this out. Okay. But we will, <laughs> I will tell you my dirty secrets that you're taking out to dinner. No, no we, we would love to share in person or, you know, some of the challenges that we've had as, as a married couple, you know, we've overcome them. So, you know, our marriage has not been all rosy and happy and, you know, you know, that's the thing about social media too, right? You see all these pictures on Facebook and you think everybody's doing great and deep down inside, they're probably really not. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing with marriage. Sometimes you see, you know, married couples on the outside and they look like they have it all together, but then inside they don't really don't. Mm-hmm. And with us, we've been through both sides of that. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I like, you know, it, 
by the grace of God, we, we, our marriage is at a point where we could have a marriage podcast and share some of this wisdom with you all. So, uh, I'm going to wrap it up now, Adrian. Actually, I think we did go right around the time we wanted to go to. A couple of announcements. Church is open, as it should be. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, men's ministry is uh, in person now as well. Uh, so, men, if you know any other men, please, please come to our men's ministry. We're teaching a lot of good things on how to be leaders. Uh, shoot us an email, Adrian or myself, Diego at... FBCRTHCA.com or info at, you know, or ddelamariahu.com. That's my personal email as well. So you have an email there. Uh, Adrian, any way to contact with you for questions? Same, same thing. Info, info at FBCRTHCA.com. CA, no? CA, sorry. We always forget that CA. Our podcasts are now on iTunes or, you know, podcast apps everywhere as well right mm -hmm. so please once we hit this on Facebook share like give us a comment give us some words of encouragement let us know if a topic you want us to cover or at least hear our perspective on because we do have you know a unique perspective uh, shoot us comments questions we'd love to hear your feedback please 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 that means the world to us thank you so much for listening Adrian let's close out in prayer Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for allowing us to record this podcast and uh, record this lesson, Lord. We pray that it reaches uh, the intended audience, Father. Uh, we pray for your mercy in all this. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you so much. You guys all have a good evening. Bye.